Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to another episode of Endurance Chat. My name is Michael Zalavari, and today we are finishing off our trifecta of Le Mans previews. Today we're going through the two GTE categories for the 2022-24 hours of Le Mans, and joining me tonight, as always, when it comes to anything GT racing, is Chris Washer 97. Good evening, Chris. Good very early morning to you. Uh, it is very early morning, uh, 5.20 in the morning here in lovely northeast Wisconsin. The, the rain is coming down pretty hard. It's a nice little nice little vibe, doing a little podcast recording. I, I'm just imagining to, ha- I, to have a little you know, fireplace, you know, sitting around with a glass of wine. It's 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 a it's one of the it's Lamar week. I can it, it's it's hype. It's it's absolutely hype, and it's funny to me that you're talking about it being cold and freezing and rainy in the early morning. When here down in Adelaide, it has been cold and freezing and raining in the early morning. I would quite like a fire pit to to sit and have a bevy around right now. That would be some a great time. Can we just imagine for everyone's sake at home that we're just sitting around a fire pit with a, a drink in hand, sharing some stories about Lamar? I feel like that's the vibe we're going for today. Well, luckily we do do not have drinks because otherwise the. Uh... The majority of this podcast would just be uh, a big fat bleep. <laughs> no bigger claxon for two <laughs> hours. Uh, we should okay. So Lamar GTE classes at Lamar. Uh, we've got GTE Pro and GTE M, of course. Before we jump straight into it, we do need to shout out our sponsor, the Racing Line app. Your motorsport calendar. Uh, get onto the Racing Line to get all of your sessions alerts. Uh, make sure that you've got your. Uh, alert setup so that way you don't miss a minute of the action because as of this podcast Chris we are only 48 hours away from track action at Lamar is that not just a little bit terrifying to say this has come along so quickly yeah like for first really official sessions we already had the test day which had I believe uh, some incidents um, and then and then you you, you have the off track news as well like uh, as of as of recording this podcast the new BMW LMDH just got revealed and it's quite a looker and then tomorrow uh, I believe we're going to have some WEC news so there's going to be action on and off the track Absolutely, absolutely. So we're getting right into the thick of the Le Mans action very, very quickly. So today we are talking GTE and it is coming, uh, getting to the very death throes of GTE competition. I think this may be the last season or the second to last season of GTE competition. For those at home who might not know the difference, just what's a quick difference uh, between a GTE car that we'd see in the WEC and European Le Mans series and the GT3 cars that you'd see in some SRO competition or your GT3 regional series around the world? I, th- I, I want to say, I think the, um, the GTEs have no ABS or traction control, while the GT3s does. I believe that's how it goes. Um, and... I- for for the long for uh, now there's some manufacturers um, like Ferrari who have an easy conversion kit. So basically, like if a team has a Ferrari, they can you know really uh, be able to race in both quite easily compared to let's say um, the Porsche. You no, know, yeah, the Porsche, which is which I'm trying to th- I'm trying to think of how differently they look. I can never really explain that part very well. 
Well, the the Porsche, for example, in GTE trim is actually almost mid-engined. Like the engine's in an entirely different spot. It's kind of weird. But yeah, they're they're, yeah. Basi- they're basically two different specs of cars. The GTE cars are just a little bit more performance, um, and so that's yep. why, for example, you only see the the four manufacturers here in GTE: the Ferrari, the Corvette, the Porsche, and the Aston Martin, as opposed to the millions of GT3 manufacturers that we've seen around the world in recent times. Uh, GTE Pro this season has been a little bit of a weird one for GTE Pro. Uh, Again, before we jump straight into this, what's the difference between GTE Pro and GTE M? Uh, GTE Pro is basically a free-for-all for GT racing. I believe you can put in any driver that you want. Um, you could have, I mean, because we, didn't we see Cooper McNeil in the GTE Pro class like yes. a year or two back? So, that, you know, so yeah, it's a free-for-all compared with what driver you can pick. Doesn't matter what driver rating they are, I believe. GTE M, however... That's there's a little bit more restrictions in place. First of all, uh, I know not as big as an issue now, but before um, they had to race a one year older car. So if, if there's a brand new car in the WEC for GTE in the Pro class, they had to wait a year to use it in the GTEM class. Um, there's also, I believe, we need a silver, a bronze, and I think the other one is a uh, free range. You could either pick. You could pick another driver uh, regardless of what the driver rating is. So you can have a platinum in there to offset your silver and bronze drivers. So it all boils down to the drivers basically between the, the Pro and the AM class. So uh, the important thing about the AM category as well is that each of those AM drivers, your bronze and your silver, has to do six hours each behind the wheel. So that's something that uh, the teams will have to strategize around. Uh, but what it does mean is that in the Pro class... We get these absolutely crazy machines with absolutely crazy drivers behind it, and it turns into an absolute battle royale. Uh, this season has been a bit of a weird one, though, so far. We had the, the race at Se- Sebring, which was aborted for a, a crash and then weather and then more weather. Uh, and then at uh, Spa-Francorchamps, we had a, a really odd mix of weather strategies that meant that some cars gained basically a lap under safety car uh, and saw the Ferraris come out on top there compared to the Porsches, which seemed to have a bit more pace. Uh, What can we read into this season so far in terms of the balance of power or the, the, the performance or even just where we think the cars are based on the results this season uh is, is there anything that you've noticed so far uh watching this season that you you think is a, a really concrete sort of observation i don't know like you said uh spa and uh sebring were were, were affected by weather or being rain shortened and then uh and obviously first week first uh race of the year at sebring you know the bop you know you know can be slightly off than spa with the weather so i i don't no, if we have a good solid grasp and add to the fact that Lamont has his own separate BOP, I think we're just going to have to wait till qualifying on this one. And, and, and just for, for those playing along at home, uh, 
BOP, when we make the make reference to BOP, we're talking about the balance of performance. So we're talking about how the, the, the Porsche 911 RSR and the Ferrari 488 and the Chevrolet uh, C8.R are balanced against each other because they're all different platforms. They're all running different engines. So they're all, they've all got their own key characteristics. And so the ACO are constantly trying to move dials and balance their, their performance against each other to get them into the same performance window. And you've got to say for the most part, they've, they've done a good job. Uh, however, I, I think I, I, despite the, their result at Spa, you might say that the Ferraris have been just a little bit underbaked this season. They, they were nowhere at Sebring. Uh, if you're a Ferrari fan, would you be a bit concerned? Uh, pot- potentially, yeah, you, you have a point because the two Porsches kind of did, um, you know, have that first corner incident where Kevin Estra, I believe it was Kevin Estra who kind of got a little too ambitious into turn one. But, I mean, the Ferraris... I mean, they 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 were still able to get themselves into a position where they got that lap advantage, pretty much. Um, I believe during that first red. So I, I I don't know. I I think it's gonna be quite fair. I think because I don't think that they're gonna go in the complete opposite direction, turn the dial back, and let Ferraris be like Sebring. Um, if if anything, it could be. It could be the Porsches that could be disadvantaged here because of uh, recent successes. That Porsche haven't had recent success at Le Mans, though. The last time that the Porsche team actually looked anywhere close to competitive at Le Mans was 2018 uh, in the GT category. Oh. They, they, they. Yes. But really, but, but I meant like in in this season because of course they're when it's Sebring, then the second place at Spa. So they might take a look at that because they do factor in what happened during the season for the Lamont BOP. So I'm, it could be a possibility that maybe the ACO sets the dial too far back for the Porsches. That would make me sad if that was the case. And in fact, I should be wearing my, my Rothmans Porsche t-shirt. I'm not, but I should be uh, while we're doing this podcast. Uh, the, the Porsches have looked to be the fastest car this season, but the results, besides the first race at Sebring uh, haven't really gone their way and in fact they they did that the hard way as well because they got a penalty for messing up the start procedure and that kind of threw them back into the mix and really pushed them into a battle with the Corvettes. Uh, Porsche have not really been their metronomic best uh, this season so far despite having the pace. Um, wh- where do you reckon they would sit uh, in preparation for this event? Would they be, would they be uh, comfortable being one of the teams to beat or are they uh, maybe trying to you know, fight their way in from the outside. I think they're going to be from uh, uh, from the inside. I, I think, especially with how small the GTE Pro field is, really hope that the ACO gets it. You know, bang on between let's say was there like five cars? No, there's uh, seven, what, cars. seven cars. Um, so yeah, in, in they kind they kind of messed it up for Sebring, where you know the you know the Porsches and the Ferraris were a little bit separated. But I think Spa was, uh, judging judging by from what I remember, I think Spa was a, a pretty decent BOP. Um, so I think if they could just like tweak from Spa, I know I know Lamas, you know, you know, bigger track, you know, it's a completely different animal to do BOP with. But I think there could be lessons learned from Spa BOP, and maybe that could work. So I I I, I think Porsche. Even with BOP tweaks here and there, I think I have to be competitive. 
what about the the Corvettes? You know, this is the first full season of the Corvette C8 in WC competition. They're bringing along a second car from the States for Le Mans. Uh, we saw them be competitive at Sebring, kind of miss the boat at Spa and, and get wrapped up in something that they couldn't get out of. Uh, where do we reckon they're going to sit when it comes to the 24 hours of Le Mans? Hard, hard to say. The good news is that, of course, uh, they ran here last year. So the ACO do do have some data to base off their BOP instead of kind of guessing like they did with the Corvette last year. Um, I honestly don't know. I think this could be a very, uh, very good competitive grid. I, I think the answers are going to be very hard to answer until we get the qualifying. Um, what about the Ferrari? Uh, we've got the two factory Ferraris as well as an additional Ferrari from Riley Motorsports. Uh, are they are they looking to get some sort of help back into the fold? Yeah, I do think even though with the uh, with the win at Spa, it was clear the Porsches were catching you know catching up pretty good um, towards the end of that race. There, um, I think a, maybe a little bit more help. So that, you know, they can fight maybe with the, when basically when the Porsches come to them, they can put up a little bit of a fight instead of, uh, you know, being left to die or being left out to dry. You know, I'm kind of biasly hoping for that too, because of the, you know, Riley Motorsports team, American team. But, but yeah, I hope for, I hope Ferrari gets, uh, it's a little bit more of an advantage and that way the race could be an equal fight between the seven of them. And, and the test day data seems to show that the the cars by make are at least in the same sort of ballpark, which is very good. Uh, the problem is, of course, uh, when the cars are so close, even a tenth uh, over 24 hours uh, extends itself to quite a large gap. And we have seen uh, some of the best BOP in recent memory get kind of uh, ruined because of a, a small gap that opens up because of a safety car or something like that. And because the cars are so closely matched, there's just no chance to ever overcome that gap, which is unfortunate. It's one of the costs of, I guess, having cars that are so closely matched is that if there is ever a, a break, it's very hard to overthrow. Just on the note of that additional car, the, the Riley Motorsports car, I guess we'll start there where we talk about drivers. Um, it's interesting that we've seen a uh, additional car added for the Ferraris. Uh, we have seen this in the past with a few other manufacturers. Last year, we had two additional Porsches, one by WeatherTech Racing and one by Hub Auto Corsa. Um, this year, it's the Riley Ferrari. In the past, we've seen additional cars from IMSA competition, including Risi Competizione. Uh, Porsche have brought along additional cars from their IMSA travels filled with young drivers or other factory drivers. Uh, what are your thoughts on the additional GTE Pro cars? Do they have a, a shot uh, compared to the WC full season entries? When was the last time a, a car that wasn't a full season entry actually did well at Le Mans, can you think? For talking, what, GTE Pro class? Would it be... Could, could it be the, f- the Ford 2016? Uh, yes, but they were also running WC full season at the time, so I'm not sure that entirely counts. And what, Corvette 2015? I think the Corvette is the right answer then, because I think it was the Corvette in 2015, and even then the second place that year was the SMP? It was one of the Ferraris that wasn't a full season entry, I think. 
So maybe that, but that, but that is still what seven years ago. So you know, if you if you're a GTE Pro entry that doesn't run the WC full season, you know what's what's the point? Do you have an actual shot? Well, you can't find out until you try. And and considering it's one of the lowest amount of cars on the grid, I mean, it's not too ridiculous to say you know let's try it out. Um, also, the reason why it's here because Ben Keating. Um, I believe this is a Keating car, right? Yes, it's oh. it's, it's Keating's entry. Yeah, but it's not. Yep. he's he's not racing in it because he was one of the. So IMSA kind of has two awards. Uh, base basically, I think it's like the best amateur prototype driver and the best amateur GT driver, and Ben Keating won the best amateur driver award. So that, that's that's why um, he. Basically, may uh, use he used his entry to do this Riley Motorsports to let a team like that feel the car because he's he's already in the WEC full time, so you know passing on the fortune of Bill Riley. Yeah, exactly, and it's actually got quite an interesting mix of drivers as well. So it's Felipe Fraga uh, and Sam Bird uh, in in the car. Uh, Fraga is someone that's been driving with Ben Keating a lot um, when he was running a silver rating. Now he's upgraded to gold. Sam Bird, of course, a former uh, Ferrari factory GT driver, a Formula Four, a Formula E championship contender, um, former F1 test driver, as he found out when we did our prototype. Uh, uh, podcast. Um, so two very uh, experienced Ferrari and sports car drivers there. And then someone that's uh, very interesting for, for me and people on my side of the world, it's Shane Van Gisbergen. He's finally making his Le Monde debut. Finally. <laughs> yeah. Su- supercars are finally not clashing with Darwin. Yes. And it's uh, it's going to be absolutely amazing to see him at Lamar. He's been trying to tee it up for a few years now, and uh, I'm I'm ex- so excited to see him in a GTE Pro field. And for those who don't know, who don't maybe don't quite recognize that name, um, Van Gisbergen has been doing a few sports car events. He had a, a factory program running the McLaren 650S in the Blank Pan GT series in the Endurance Championship back in 2016, which he won the championship there. Um, winning races at Silverstone and Monza. He's won the Bathurst 12-hour. He's placed high in the Bathurst 12-hour for a few years running now. And he's also the reigning champion for the Australian Supercars Championship and is currently leading the Australian Supercars Championship as well. So he is an absolute top quality driver. In fact, he had a, a string of race wins at the beginning of last year. Was it last year or this year? I think it must have been last year where he yep. won something like 14 races in a row, which included the Bathurst 1000, it included the uh, a rally championship uh, championship event, it included the New Zealand Grand Prix, it included like seven supercars races and three Australian GT races. It was a, an absolutely crazy run of events. So, and and he kept that up with what he had broken collarbone, didn't he? Yes, that was right. He had broken collarbone and broken ribs, uh, and in that sequence as well, and managed to to keep it up with a, a race at Sandown where he passed. 16 cars to, to win from 17th on the grid. Incredible driver from my part of the world. Definitely one to watch. Uh, so it looks like Riley Motorsports aren't just messing about here. They've actually put together some serious firepower. Yeah, I think this is a competitive car. You know, Shane Van Gisbergen, obviously his first time at Le Mans, but, you know, the test day plus, you know, uh, virtual seat time. I And, and, and considering how... how 
many different race cars he's driven and adapted to before, I think he'll be just fine. I think I think this car w- will be competitive. Absolutely. And the other two cars in the Ferrari stable are the cars from AF Corsa, the full season cars. Uh, the 51 with Alessandro Piaguidi, James Collado, and Daniel Serra as the third driver in that car. And the 52, Miguel Molina, Antonio Foco, and Davide Rigon as the set of drivers. Uh, nothing too surprising there. Um, I, I think the upgrade of uh, Fuoco uh, into the, the full uh, the full seat is actually pretty impressive for him. Um, but, you know, Sarah, Regon, Collado, Piaguidi, Molina, they're all names that have been in the Ferrari stable before. Of those three cars, the three Ferraris, who do you reckon is the the one that is going to be the best placed at the end of the 24? Um, I think it could be... I think we'll go with the 52. So that's the Molina, Foco, Regon car. That's That's pretty bold. Why do you say that? I so Antonio Fuoco, he's kind of impressing me this year. Apart from maybe the punt he did to the um, Turner BMW at Sebring, but, but, but when he when he did the when he ran with the Chedlar Ferrari at, at Sebring, uh, he came, so basically the car wrecked in turn one, and then I believe he was involved in the final stint that ma- made them take the race win. Um, and then uh, David Ragan, you know, are been with Ferrari forever. And then Miguel Molina is also a good shout too. So I, 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 th- I, I don't know. I just like this one. And and I don't know. James Collado, I don't know for some reason, doesn't strike me as like like the like the it like the like the it factor for it. I don't know. Oh yeah, fair enough. Um, Collado seems to get a lot of uh clicks and uh quotes because he's very outspoken about balanced performance, but he's also a, a quite a quick driver. I'd actually say that the fifty one is the one that I've uh kind of earmarked for Ferrari, mostly off the back of Alessandro Piaguidi and Daniel Serra. Those are the guys that have been really uh drawing my attention in the Ferraris the last few seasons. I think Piaguidi basically had the sort of season sports cars dream of last year where he won basically everything that he touched from a WC World Championship to the 24 hours of Le Mans and everything in between uh, sorry 24 hours of Spa and everything in between um, so uh, yeah it's interesting but truth be told it could be any of those three Ferraris I mean I'm going to be going for the, the 74 just because of Van Gisberg and truth be told and I think it's uh, they have a they have a, they have a livery uh, it's called be safe racing. It's a bit. It's a purple and yellowish car, and it has a big, giant, you know, animated sticker of a bee on it. Oh, cute! I think it's. I think it's because the owner of the company, uh, who races, I believe he races Ferrari Challenge North America. Uh, run. He I, he runs the company. I, can't, I don't remember what it was. I think I think it might be like a storage company. For, I don't know. That's that, that that's something I've read. Uh, but yeah. Very, very different car that you would probably expect in the GTE Pro class. That's it's not something you would expect. Is not, nothing that screams factory livery. It's definitely <laughs> something you probably could have, you would see in an amateur GT class. Yeah. So, so that's that's one of the. Re- I think that's one of the reasons I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna root for that car. It's just a it's just a, it's just a fun car. Nice. 
Um, it, yeah, definitely the GT Pro category has some very sort of factory sanitized sort of liveries. Um, let's talk about the Corvette racing duo. The 64 is the full season car with Tommy Milder, Nick Tandy, and Alex, uh, Alexander Sims behind the wheel. The the 63 is a, a one-off for Lamar, and that has Antonio Garcia, Jordan Taylor, and Nicky Katzberg. Again, that's a, uh, a sextet of drivers that are pretty well exactly what you're expecting. I think, in fact, all of those drove here at Le Mans last year. Um, the Corvettes had some pace, but of course, they're only running... Uh, GTE spec in in, uh, in the WEC. They're not running that in IMSA anymore. Do you think that's going to be a disadvantage for them? I don't think so. Because what one, they're already racing on WEC, so they have the data for that type of car. That for, because once again, uh, WEC is the only series they're running the full GTE spec. While in IMSA, they have to detune the car to fit in with the rest of the GT3 cars. Um, and then test day and all the other sessions. I don't think they're going to be that disadvantaged. Um, and also, I do want to say shout out for Tommy Tom Tommy Milner. I, I just this is what I, I I can't even remember how many Lamas he's been with Corvette Racing. Have you ever remembered Tommy Milner racing with anywhere else except for Corvette? I no, not even a little bit. To be fair, though, the, tr- the same could be said for Antonio Garcia or uh, someone like that as well. Um, but yeah, no, Tommy Milner is, is someone who has been racing Corvettes for a long time now. Yeah, and and then you have you know the, the kind of like the new guys, um, you know, like I believe Nicky Katzberg, recent addition. He used to be you know head on with BMW. Yeah. Well, he still is in GT3s, but obviously in GTE you now. No conflict of interest anymore. So then you have Alexander Sims, who once again was BMW. Um, and Nick Tandy, big Porsche driver. I think the move to his move to Corvette was a pretty big shock to all of us. I, I think that coincided uh, with when Porsche pulled out of the factory racing in America and Tandy was going to be effectively left without a drive. So he was either going to have to fight to get into the European side of things or just find yeah. a new drive. And he found one at Corvette. And I'm pretty sure I said this um, before in years past, but I think Corvette has this uh, fun tradition. I don't know if they still do it anymore. Um, but at the, at one of the days at Le Mans, I would presume maybe test day, since that's the quietest of all the days, they they hook up like an old train horn. And every and, and at noon, they'll blast it throughout the paddock and then and just say, launch time! <laughs> There's there's like an old video on it on Twitter. Yeah, I know. Every every year I try to find it. It's just so fun. Cor- Corvette's kind of like, you know, you know, like Ferrari and Porsche kind of have the perception of being the, the serious contenders. Then, then Corvette shows up and just wants to have a little fun. The American way, right? Yeah. Uh, we've got Chris <laughs> Kiwi in the live chat saying, like all Americans, loud and pointless. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, we've actually got the tweet from Corvette Racing that's there appeared is. in the live chat. Yeah, that's it's, there, it it's there. It's there waiting for it. <laughs> there so it is. so there it's, it's going to happen. Um, we'll leave Corvette there for the moment. Uh, Porsche are bringing along their two full-season WC entries, of course. Uh, Jimmy Bruni, Ricard Leitz, and Frederick Makovecki in the 91. Uh, Michael Christensen, Kevin Esch, and Lawrence Vantour in the 92. Uh, 
you got to say of those two cars, the 92 has been the more feared car, but they haven't really stitched it all together. In fact, the last time they were anywhere close to competitive, as I made mention earlier, was 2018. That's a long time between drinks, especially for Porsche. It's it's Porsche. How have they not been competitive the last few years? Oh, uh, I don't know. Very good question to ask. Um, uh, for, I know from you know years past, um, it, 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 Porsche. You know, with the two cars, it all depends on which Kevin Estra shows up. Because if we have the Kevin Estra that you know happened at Spa, the was he the ninety two? Yeah, the ninety two is not going to fare well. Um, but if we get like the Kevin Estra, that's a god, like at the Nurburgring, for example, then that car is going to be unstoppable. As well on on that car, we've also uh, had the change from Neil Gianni to Lawrence Vantor. So Vantor, of course, has a long history of driving uh, GT machinery, whereas Gianni was kind of shoehorned into the GT car because the the, the prototype program was completely over. Um, uh, I, I don't want to be you know unkind to Johnny, who was an incredible prototype driver, but Vantor is an upgrade on on Neil Johnny in a GT car, mm-hmm. isn't he? Yeah, I, I agree, especially with um, e- even though it's a GT3 car, I mean massive amounts of the GT3 Porsche in the United States with FAF, um, and then the countless other GT3 races he did, uh. And he just raced the Porsche, although, you know, not for long, at the Nürburgring 24. Um, unfortunately, that led to a pretty big accident. Even, you know, him admitting on Twitter, it was kind of a bit of a pride thing because he was battling his brother. Um, so he's definitely going to want to, you know, try, try to redeem himself here. Well, maybe not redeem himself. I don't think he's, you know, carrying that much baggage. Um, but but he, he doesn't want, he wants to finish. Is basically what I'm saying. Yeah, and uh, that's a, that's a really good strong lineup with him added to it now. And as well, his brother is in this race driving an LMP2 car, so he will have to let his brother through at some point if they're in the car, same car or in on track at the same time. So uh, keep an eye out for that one. That's a little bit of a story. Uh, the 91 uh, Jimmy Bruni regard leads Frederick Makovicki doesn't really have the same sort of star power as the 92. Is it a car that sort of drives fear into the middle of your heart like the 92 does? Uh, like, Bruni and Leeds are very, very good drivers. I know Makovecki, uh, I think he kind of got memed on during the N24. I think everybody, uh, parts of the chat, were like, okay, when's he going to crash it? Um, I think because maybe he, had, maybe he wasn't involved in the car that crashed in NLS 2. But that's, you know, besides the point. Uh, yeah, just on paper alone, you take a look at the 92, and there's, you know, just probably, you can probably name more accolades of the drivers than what's in the 91. Uh, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. And, you know, since um, coming over from Ferrari, for example, Bruni hasn't really had the same sort of firepower as he has had in the Porsche. So uh, you got to say of, of the two Porsches, the 92 is probably strongest. Um, with that uh, in in mind, uh, a question that Kiwi Chris has posed in our pre-race notes is, how do you separate any of these cars, any of these drivers? You've got 21 absolute superstars here. What's going to make the difference for these guys, if uh, for them to to fight and win the the GTE Pro class, safety safety cars, uh, just gotta be and, and luck. 
Because, um, you know, sk- skill is one thing, it's, but sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Um, if you can ha- maybe be in a, in a situation where a safety car splits you from maybe like three other cars, and that means you get like a lap and a half advantage, that's more power to you. And I'm currently checking the weather right now because I've heard of some weather possibly in the okay never mind that the weather has gone i I was gonna say rain but now it's gonna be sunshine it looks like so that's not gonna happen so so i'm gonna revert to another one of the points i'm gonna make uh nighttime running how good you are in the night um if if you're braver in the night you could possibly go a little bit more faster maybe not typically because shane van gisbergen um it, it wouldn't be his first 24-hour race, but he'll be his first 24-hour race at Le Mans. Hmm. So it, it could take a little bit more time acclimating to the night compared to the other drivers who, you know, been there before. So that could be another thing to keep an eye on. I think he is, in fact, the only rookie out of this class. I, I think I'm correct in saying that. Felipe Fraga has uh, GTE AM experience. Uh, Sam Bird was a former GTE Pro factory driver. All the other drivers were racing in this class last year. So I think Van Gisbergen is the only, yeah, rookie at uh, in this class, which is pretty wild. Um, Kiwi is saying, though, in the live chat that he drove at Spa in the 24, yep. which is true. So, yep. you know. Yep, yep. I did, I, 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 that's why I said at Le Mans, because mm. I know he did Spa with the McLaren team. So it's, it's a really tight tight run class i gotta say that you know while we we try as much as we can to say the bop won't have an effect it it will have a small effect but really what i'm going to be interested in is how the setup windows uh change throughout the night i think one of the things was one of the things with porsche one of the reasons they were so shocking last year was that they expected more weather than what they got and so they uh you know built a bit of a buffer into their setup to be able to run better in the wet and as it happened there was almost no wet running and that's why they fell away so you mm-hmm. know those sort of decisions those sort of setup decisions will sort of dictate how the cars transition from the the, the hot running in the day to the night to the day again so That'll probably be one of the factors that I'll be keeping an eye on. Chris, give me a top three. You've only got seven cars to pick from. Give me a top three out of the GTE Pro class. Let's see. I think... I think I'm going to go with the 64. I think it might be Corvettes here. That's the Tommy Milner, Nick Tandy, Alex Sims car, the full season WC entry. Um, if I'm trying to play a thousand IQ chess here, uh, <laughs> I can, I can Fer- see the gears turning. I think Ferrari is going to get a little bit of a BOP boost. I, th- I think that's what's going to happen. So I'm going to go with the 52. So that's- I think, I think, so- I think someone, someone said early in the chat that the 52 is a curse at Lamar. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make him break the curse. That's Miguel Molina, Antonio Furco, and Davide Rigon. And then I'm I'm gonna go with the 74. I think I think Porsche bottles it this year. Oh, I'm not happy with that. The 74 is the Riley Motorsports Fraga Bird and Van Gisbergen machine. Just because you've said that, I'm gonna say that the 92 is gonna win by two laps. 
It's not going to win by two laps, but I I want to pick the number 92, the Christensen Estra Vantor Porsche as my number one. Um, I actually think the the Riley Motorsports is going to get on the podium as well um, because I just want to see good things happen to Van Gisbergen. And I'm going to go anti-USA and anti-Corvette and say that the wow. 50, and then say that the 51 is going to be the third car on the podium, Pierre Guidi, Collado, and Daniel Serra. So the only car we agreed on was the number 74. Which at least we can find some compromise. This is true. And I mean, I mean, who doesn't want to see people like drivers like Van Giersbergen who are in it who are incredibly skilled and also just in it for the love of racing and want to be doing racing every single week. Who doesn't want to see that uh yeah, like who doesn't want to see that? That's going to be awesome. So that is our GTE pro category seven cars 21 drivers it's going to be you know door-to-door action is the the name of this class we will see some contact at some point i guarantee it uh what about gte am we've got 23 cars in gte am uh quite a variety in where these teams have come from uh but chris what what is the point of this class why have am drivers at Lamar. What's what's the sort of rationale for having this class exist? Nah, uh, because rich people have money and they want to race Lamar. I mean, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's a great answer. And with all those, and also, you have all those cars, you know, built and in circulation. Why not give them a place to race? Yeah, absolutely. It is. It is kind of cool that we get so many, so much more cars on a grid. Because twenty three cars is basically a full grid in a normal GT three race in some parts of the world. I mean, that was larger than the grid of the Bathurst twelve hour not last month. So twenty three cars in a single category is quite exciting. And you know, supplementing that with the the twenty seven car LMP two field as well, kind of really shows the strength of. Uh, amateur racing at the top level because that's what this is this is amateur racing at the top level this is people funding cars as a hobby um and being very good at it and very fast at it as well and that's you know there's a long Mm -hmm. history of amateurs racing at lamar chris yeah i know some people you know take a look at this like oh why you know it's the biggest race of the year. Why have the amateur drivers compete? And for, for them, I'm just going to completely say you're out of touch. Um, the amateurs, without the amateurs, you're looking at like maybe a 20-car grid. Because <laughs> um, the amateurs, A, they basically sometimes they'll pay for the car itself. and Or B, they help provide the funding necessary for the team to even run in the first place. So that's that's why they're there, and some of the, some of these guys, um, you know, they're owners, they're CEOs, they have the money to you know spend spend to just whip a race car around Lasarth. Um, so so we, I think we just just be thankful that we have rich people wanting to spend their money racing instead of you know golf. <laughs> And uh, like, uh, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a great point as well. And, you know, sports cars, particularly sports cars, not motorsport in general, but particularly sports cars is built on the, the gentleman driver. You know, it's, it's something that has been around for 50, 60, 70 years, you know, in the post-war era, people used to bring their road cars to race at Lamar because that was what they had the money to do. And that was how they wanted to spend that money. Mm-hmm. And that's something that has 
perpetuated time and time again throughout. So it's, I think it's important that amateur drivers have a place on the grid at Le Mans. And this is, this is a great way to do it because you get all, all the best parts of GTE Pro, the door-to-door action, the, the recognizable cars, the awesome sounds, some of the best drivers in these cars. Because let's not forget, while there is two amateur drivers listed each car, each car does have a third driver. And some of those third drivers we'll get to are pretty damn impressive. But on top of that as well, you have the compli- uh, complications in strategy. You've got a bronze driver yeah. who's going to be much slower than a, a platinum driver who has to do six hours in the car. And that's a non-trivial amount of time. And we've seen some great strategies played out based on when you have your bronze in the car. Right. And it also leads to some great stories too. Like take a look at who's in uh, one of the Proton cars, Michael Fassbender, um, who, you know, took us money from acting. Now I, I think, you know, obviously some help from Porsche, but you know, he raced in you know Porsche Sports Cup and moved it to the European Le Mans series. Now he's you know, racing at Le Mans, but without a dedicated AM class, you wouldn't get drivers like I don't know if Patrick Dempsey raced at Le Mans before. I know he's a team owner for Dempsey Pro. He finished um, second at Le Mans in oh, 2015. Okay, okay, yes, yeah, one of the early years I started watching. Uh, and, and Michael Fassbender, uh, Paul Newman. Yep. If not Paul Newman, Steve, uh, you know, all these other, with basically without a dedicated AM class, you want to get, you know, these, you know, celebrities that would want, uh, who had maybe have a passion for racing, but just necessarily didn't have the money in their, you know, when they started out as, you know, and now they do have the money, you know, to race. It, it, it's quite, it's quite awesome to see that this, what this amateur class can do for, you know, Basically, any like the rich people and you know actors. Oh, oh yeah, the AF Corsa Waltrip car. I almost forgot about that. I think Brian. Uh, there's a rich guy, Rob Kaufman, who now that he did, he was very controversial in the states with NASCAR because of charters, but he brought in uh, Brian Vickers and Michael Waltrip, and to to race to race. And they're both NASCAR drivers. So, huh. basically, like basically, it's just. GTM is just so fascinating because there's so much different varieties that mm. the, 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 the driver lamps can can um, can be a rich driver could have a passion project and maybe bring in drivers that he likes or he just you know brings in drivers you know very 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 good drivers like uh, let's say for example that Matt Campbell yeah Matt Campbell. Very good driver with with Fastbender. He's racing with Fastbender. So it, it, it point is, it's just awesome to see what the GDA AM class can do. And uh, something that I want to make mention before we start diving into teams and drivers and breaking this all apart is that every car here, every single one is a story. The fact that most of these cars are on the grid itself is a story. And that's the thing about this class that I always love is that there's a story behind every single car and if you get the chance to learn about the story of the car, it adds another dimension to the race. And there have been some incredible stories that have come from GTEM over the years. Things like the JMW team uh, winning their first race in the new 488 after you know running the 458 well beyond its uh, its usable period. Patrick Dempsey's attempt at Le Mans where he finished second in GTEM. That was an incredible effort from him and his team 
um, in 2015. The the Kagai car from the from Japan uh, that ran here and was going door to door with some of Europe's best for a long period of time. You know, these are these are some really cool stories that wouldn't exist if it wasn't for this class and for this category. So let's uh, break apart this category. This has four different chassis. So we have, uh, sorry, three different chassis. So we're trading the uh, Chevrolet uh, for an Aston Martin. So we've got Ferraris, Aston Martins, and Porsches. We've got three Aston Martins. I think we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight Porsches, and the rest of the uh, 23-car field, which if my maths is correct, would be 12 cars, would be Ferrari 488s. Um, What we're going to do is we're going to group them into manufacturers and go through them one by one, sort of explain where they've come from, who's in the team, and then we'll kind of give us our best shot out of, uh, of, yeah, what we've got. So, um, where do we want to start? Do we want to start with the Ferraris, the Porsches, or the Aston Martins first? I think let's, let's let's get the meat out of the way. Let's go with the Ferraris. So Ferrari, as we may have mentioned, 12 cars, quite a significant representation. Uh, and quite a few of them are WC full season entry cars as well. Um, a few of them have come from the ELMS as well, um, which is the European Le Mans series, of course. So we'll start from the very top. The number 21 AF Corsa machine uh, has, uh, this is a WC full season entry car servicing Christoph Ulrich as the bronze with Simon Mann and Tony Vlander as the platinum. Tony Vlander, a very accomplished Ferrari uh, factory driver in that car. Uh, how have the number 21 AF Corsa team been going this season so far, Chris? Ah. Uh- to be to be honest, they're they're one of the teams who are like they're not really in the forefront of my mind. Um, I don't remember them being super good. I don't I don't remember them being super bad either. Kind of middle middle of the road, uh, from at least from what I remember. And I think that's kind of at least maybe from at least for me, like in the GT AM class, I only you only really remember who's really good or who's really bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so I, I, the 21 is kind of middle of the road for me. Um, of course, Tony V Landers, nothing to laugh at. Uh, I believe Christoph Ulrich and Simon Mann, uh, races Italian GT together. Well, they're not racing WEC. Yep. So they, they, they at least keep racing. So I think this one, I think this one stays on the road. I think kind of more or less. Yep. Um, they finished uh, seventh place at Sebring. Did not race at Spa Francorchamps. I can't remember off the top of my head if they had an accident in practice, which meant they didn't race or they just didn't enter. But they weren't uh, classified as starting at Spa. Um, so that one will be a a car that will be a middle of the road. Uh, the other AF Corsa cars, because AF Corsa are running a few cars in this race. Uh, the number fifty four is the other full season entry for the WEC, and this is a a GTM classic. Is this Car. Thomas Floor is the bronze, Francesco Castellacci is his silver, and there's been a change in that car for this season. Previously, this car has had Giancarlo Fischer-Keller behind the wheel, but he's moved on to the Iron Lynx team, and coming in to support the team as the professional driver is Nick Cassidy from New Zealand, a, a accomplished driver running Super Formula and Super GT, but maybe someone in uh, some, uh, maybe a driver that Europeans haven't really heard much about, Chris. Uh, they're they're learning about him a little bit more as he's I believe he's an Envision driver for Formula E, um. So and that's one of the reasons he, um, 
he might have had a later start at the test day, if I remember correctly, because he was racing in Jakarta, Indonesia, for the Formula E round there on a Saturday. And uh, I don't know if this has been talked about, but I believe there's the driver's briefing on Saturday at Le Mans. And like about 20%, 25% of the grid uh, couldn't make it. And that means the ACO is going to fine 25% of the drivers mm. that are racing at Le Mans. Because you had people racing in Jakarta for Formula E, Power Card for uh, SRO, and Detroit for IMSA. 3,000 euros uh, is the fine. Uh, just just for racing another series. Chomp change. Um, <laughs> uh, T- Thomas Floor, uh, interesting story. So he, uh, I think he does something with airplanes. He might be like an owner of an airplane business or something. Or, uh, I don't know, but but he was responsible. Basically, anybody who was racing in Paul Ricard, uh, it, he got all, if not most of them, on a plane straight from Ricard to Le Mans so they can make it on time. Okay, CEO of VistaJet. That that, that explains it. That's so yeah, Thomas cool. Floor based Yeah, so basically anyone who's racing at Paul Ricard, he you know gave them a lift to Le Mans. That's really cool. I like that. That kind of story is like super heartwarming. Uh these guys are currently seventh in the championship, the WEC championship. They took a fourth place at Spa Francorchamps. Um they where where would we normally expect them? Is that about where we'd normally expect them? Uh, yeah, there's. I think there's stronger AM cars out there. Yeah. Uh, I, of course, are also supporting the number 61 car, which is coming from, uh, I believe, the European Le Mans series. Ooh, maybe not. Whereabouts is the 61 car? Uh, it's actually a entry uh, through the Asian Le Mans series. So one from uh, the uh, Asian Le Mans series earlier this season. Uh, and that car has... Uh, ooh, whereabouts are we? Louis Prete as a uh, silver driver. Uh, Conrad Grunewald. Grunewald? Is that how you say that one? As the bronze? Yeah? I'm just going to go with that. Uh, Grune- I, th- I think so. Grunewald. And Vincent Abril as the gold. Now, Abril is, is, is a bit of an interesting sort of case. He was a GT, uh, an SRO GT World Challenge Sprint Cup champion back when I first started watching Sprint Cup in 2015 or 2014 alongside um, uh, Maxi Book uh, driving for um, HTP. And I've never seen him really do anything notable since. He's just kind of been around, unfortunately, um, Vincent Abril. Um, but yeah, that's that's, uh, that's the team. Uh, any sort of notes on this team? Interesting that they've come from the Age Le Mans series with a very... Uh, European and American-based grid. Uh, so someone can correct me on this. Vincent Abril, I believe, races with the JP Motorsports McLaren in GT World Challenge Europe. Um, and, f- and recently, that car, the, G- the JP Motorsports McLaren, uh, had a uh, pink and blue livery. Like, uh, and it was like a for the kids. It was like a children's foundation, I think. I think Vincent Abril was driving one of those cars. Conrad Grunewald, though, uh, he races in the AM class in GT World Challenge America. So he's he's been racing Ferraris. Um, Vincent Abril, I'm trying to remember if he did Ferraris in the past. He kind of jumped around manufacturers, mm. didn't he, for yeah. in his career? So he probably probably did. Um, I feel like Abril raced last year, but I, off the top of my head, I can't remember where he would have been seated so i'm not confident enough to be uh 
you know, firm in that and say this is definitely what he did last year. Um, so uh, that will just have to be one of those little uh, <laughs> little things that we, you know, one of those vague memories that we have. Um, what about uh, some of the other uh, Ferrari teams? We've got Spirit of Race returning. Um, they've got two cars uh, that they're supporting. Spirit of Race is like AF Corsa, but not AF Corsa. Um, it's uh, kind of a, a bit... AF Corsa supporter, but called something entirely different, which is really weird. Uh, the number 55 is uh, the Spirit of Race car that everyone would uh, would know, and that is uh, Duncan Cameron, Matt Griffin, and David Perel. Uh, that is the car that runs in the European Le Mans series, the sort of Spitfire-looking green and white car. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so that's that's the, the number 55 car. They've been doing quite well in the European Le Mans series for a long period of time, not quite... This season, uh, they did pick up a podium at the last round at Imola, but uh, following on from a very bad result in the first race at Paul Ricard. Um, the second Spirit of Race car is the number 71. That's been racing in the WEC this season. And that has uh, a Frank Desotto. Desotto? Frank De- Frank Desotto. I'm going to go with that um, as the bronze. Uh, Pierre Rags as the silver and Gabriel Aubry as the gold. Now, that's a car that is very French. Um, Pierre Rags and Gabri- Gabby Aubry are, are two names that we've seen in uh, LMP2 competition for a long time. Mm-hmm. Frank Desotto, not a name I'm familiar with, Chris. Can you shed some light on that one for me? Uh, I don't know who he is either, and considering the bronze ranking, we can easily assume he's going to be the money man. That would be a a, a fair assumption, and in fact, that car uh, has no points in the WEC after it uh, did not finish at Sebring, and that was the car that constantly ran into problems at Sebring. Remember how it sort of shut down on circuit a bunch of times? I, that was that one. Oh, is it? Huh. Like, wasn't it the... Uh, no, you're right. Ele- that it was, was an LMP2, wasn't it? That was the it, um the the uh the Baker's car, the the um, yeah. completely forgotten that name, into Europol car. Yeah, no, this one was the one that had the puncture, I think, that and then ran over the curb trying to avoid another car, uh trying to get out of the way of another car and then like stopped on the pit lane egg entry or something like that. That could that yeah, I think, I think you might be one. thinking of that. Yeah. And they didn't they also didn't race at Spa, so they're currently sitting at the bottom of the GTE championship. Uh, at the moment. Um, what about the 55? How do we rate the 55's chances? That's a, that's a, a well-drilled team. Yeah, I like I like this uh, lineup better than the 71 because uh, in the European Le Mans series, they've shown uh, some success podiums in the past. They've been racing with that car, the same kind of livery, British green, uh, for the past two years. Uh, I believe they might have been there in 2020, 2021, maybe even earlier. But I know they've been racing for more than just a season. But I do like this uh, Spirit of Race car way better than the 71. Uh, do you think that uh, the, the Duncan Cameron... Well, the Duncan Cameron-Matt Griffin pairing has been something that I've known about in European Le Mans series for, you know, seven, eight, six or seven years now. David Perel, not quite as as uh, long-standing with those teams, but still a very good silver driver. Um what do we what do we reckon for that card? Is a top five a possibility or even a podium? I think top five is a possibility for this car. I think I think I think this is a pretty good shout. I tend to agree. Uh, another uh, Ferrari team on the entry list is Kessel Racing. I think they've only got the one car this time around at Le Mans. Uh, a uh, Swiss based team. Uh, they're actually running a 
a Japanese-based driver in uh, uh, Takeshi Kimura. So this is the car guy car, uh, racing car. Uh, oh. One of my favorite teams is, uh, team names as well. Uh, so he's got Takeshi Kimura, and he's got uh, Frederick Schandorf as the silver driver from Denmark, and Mikkel Jensen as the gold-rated driver from Denmark as well. So Jensen is a driver that we've seen a few times do some pretty incredible things. Um, Kimura as a, as a bronze is also pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, where would we have seen this car race before, Chris? Uh, ELMS. Um, they've, they're racing ELMS before. Uh, they, they're racing this season, uh, I should rephrase. And uh, they raced uh, Car Guy, you know, Super Taiku, um, Blank Pan Asia, I believe they're doing it this year. Um, car Guy is also doing Super GT this year, except it's a, it's a, a blue car um, with Hollow Live. And then they're also trying to remember what else they did. Blank, but yeah, they if if it ran in Asia, they probably ran it, and then they're you know expanding. They're racing in ELMS under the name Kessel Racing, doing the same for Le Mans. It's a very fun car. Um, I think this could be. I think this is going to be a good top ten car for me. And and the the reason for that as well is that Mikkel Jensen is bloody quick. He is probably one of the best. Uh, GT Am drivers, best one of the gold rated drivers in that matter. Um, at the moment, and he's is quite possible if the car is in the right position of winning races off his own back. Yeah, I, w- I think I want to say 2019 Monza uh, for the ELMS. Here he was with an LMP3 car. I can't remember what team he was, but for the life of me, but he started all the way at the back. Guess where he was at the end of the race? Uh, leading the race. Uh, he won the race in LP3, yep. Yeah, uh, and that's... If, you, if you're not familiar with the name Mikkel Jensen, you should be. And I think, in fact, he may be a LMH driver uh, at... Peugeot. Peugeot, yeah. Uh, you know, starting next round out. So after Lamar, when we get to Monza. Mm-hmm. So it's certainly a name to keep tabs on and someone that's... And very Go. successful in IMSA, too, because remember he drove... The Pierre One Mathiasen car, the wins livery with Ben Keating. Absolutely. So Mikkel Jensen is definitely a name to keep an eye on if you want to look for someone to support in the years to come. Pardon me. Uh, Inception Racing are bringing along the next car on the grid, number 59. Um, this is a car from Great Britain. So this is uh, a car that has Alexander West of 59, uh, sorry, Garage 59 in the past. So that is the, the driver behind that operation, uh, the bronze-rated driver. He's got Marvin Klein as his silver, which is a name I'm not all that familiar with, and Combe Ledegar as the platinum driver, which is a name I'm very familiar with, uh, a French uh, Ferrari driver uh, who's raced, well, it's not really a Ferrari driver. He's just kind of raced a bit of everything. You know, he's raced McLarens, he's raced Aston mm-hmm. Martins, and now he's racing uh, the Inception Racing Ferrari uh, with Alex West again. Yeah, and he was champions with um, in SRO GT World Challenge Europe Endurance with McLaren, right? He was with Shane Van Gisbergen. He was one that he was with that driver lineup, wasn't he? Yeah, himself and Rob Bell. Yeah, Cobal Edgar, I don't know if he doesn't as recently, but I remember a few years ago he was been race he was racing in, in Porsche Cups even. So he the dude just likes to race. Uh Marvin Klein, um or Klein, if I or he races in Porsche Career Cup France and he does it and he does it very well in that championship. So that's if if so, you know, that's probably where you've seen 
At least that's where I recognize him from. And then Alex West, of course, is uh, Garage 59, uh, Aston Martin, and, well, formerly McLaren, then Aston Martin. Now, I'm not sure what he's racing, um, but a very accomplished bronze driver who's raced everything around the world. So he's certainly one that's going to give you a car back in a good position for a bronze driver. Exactly. Where, where did that entry come from? Did they win that entry through the Asian Le Mans series? It had to be. Had to be Asian Le Mans series. Cool. Oh, that's really, really cool um, to see the Inception Racing. Because normally Inception Racing is a McLaren team. So, so yeah, what what I'm trying to get at there is that um, mm. in because the Asian Le Mans series uh, runs to GT3 specifications. So they run a, a bunch of different... Um, uh, well, they run the, the GT3 spec cars, which means that... Uh, right. Guys... They probably had the McLaren. They, they had the McLaren. Yeah. And so... Uh, and of course the McLaren isn't a GTE spec car, so they've had to change manufacturers in order to get a car that is acceptable at Le Mans. So it'd be cool. I think they did the same thing last year because they did win an entry last year as well. Um, And in fact, uh, they... Uh, they did uh, win an entry last year and they did run the Inception Racing uh, Ferrari uh, instead of the McLaren. So uh, there you go. Um, with with Ledegar on that car, that car could finish anywhere. Ledegar has uh, one Hyperpole in uh, a Porsche in 2020, the first year that it was around. Um, wait, no. He won Hyperpole last year uh, in, in the Ferrari. Um, what about the the AMs? Are the AMs going to be uh, too much of an anchor for Leta, for Letegar to to push through? Uh, no, I think Marvin Clean's good enough. Um, you know, he he won Porsche Cup races. You know, with Dorian Bacalacci, um and other other drivers. Um, Marvin Clean might have also raced in the lower classes of GT World Challenge America. Might be actually. With Alexander West in Garage 59. I could be wrong on that one. Maybe that's why I don't uh, remember clean racing uh, mm. the GT3s as much as Porsche Cup because he's always at, at the front of Porsche Cup. And GT3s is kind of down the order in a different yeah. class. Alexander West, he's not too bad. I don't remember him being that bad. So I, I don't think they're going to hold him down too too much of it. Yeah, it, it'll be a matter of where where they sort of pop out in the in the morning sunshine. Um, so I want to skip over the next entry, and we'll come back to those because I want to talk about JMW Motorsport. They're number sixty six on the entry list. Uh, this is a bit of an interesting car, car that's actually going to be something uh, you're going to have a lot to say about, Chris, because it's got Mark Pham as the bronze, Jason Hart as the silver, and Renga Van Der Zand as the gold. A trio of American-based drivers, Chris, in a car that is very much a, a British-run machine. Uh, what are your thoughts on JMW? I figured it was interesting because their lineup is completely different from their ELMS lineup. Um, I'm, 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 I think since Mark Kavam is the bronze that I think he probably uh, probably paid a pretty penny to have some sort of involvement with that. Um, yeah, Renker Vanderzan, uh, massive DPI success with Wayne Taylor Racing. He w- won with um, he won the Rolex Twenty Four with them, I believe, mm. and then uh, now he races for Cadillac, um, which you know I believe he might have won the race at Detroit. Um, I think he, I know Cadillac did win Detroit. I'm just trying to remember if it was, if it was his car. Jason Hart might actually be a pretty solid pickup that a lot of people aren't going to know about. So he is last year's GT4 America champion. 
I can't remember if it's an overall or in class, but I mean, considering that GT4 America gets like more than 30 cars each wow. race, that's not exactly a, that's not exactly, you know, that, that's not, not, not too shabby. Mm. So that, that, that could be, uh, that could be one of the, one of the drivers during this year's Le Mans that goes, wait, like, how is he that good? Nice. That, that's actually really cool. Um, one of the, the crazy things about the JMW car is that we're used to seeing that car as a, a yellow car, uh, sort of, a, you know, JMW traditionally very much running the yellow Ferrari. It's not yellow this year, Chris. No, it's more like a dark red, isn't it? I'm not sure how I feel about this. <laughs> Feels like blasphemy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess it's, it's one of those sponsorship sort of things where uh you know fam's bringing his own sponsorship with it as well which means that no 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 it's not that because they had the red car for elms oh i just don't oh, i don't know how to feel about this i i feel betrayed that's how i feel well you, you still have you know kessel for your yellow ferrari uh yeah i guess that's true and i do like the car guy written all over it because i think that's the funniest and best thing ever <laughs> uh now this I, I wanted to leave this to last for the ferraris because i think it's a good point to end on uh the iron links and iron dames quartet of cars now quite a strong contingent for the iron links group this is a really sort of interesting story they're basically like a, a, a sort of a split-off faction for, for Ferrari. They kind of were wanted to start their own team and have attracted a, you know, a bunch of drivers and a bunch of different uh, crew members across a bunch of different levels as well. You know, uh, you know Iron Dames was running in the Michelin Le Mans Cup and then now in Le Mans and now in the, the, the 24 Hours of Le Mans and, you know, the, the WC is part of that as well. So Even GT World Challenge uh, Europe and uh, Italian F4. Yeah, so they're really expanding their portfolio and, you know, have taken some big wins. You know, they won the 24 Hours of Spa last year as an Iron Lynx car with, uh, with you know, uh, the Pierre Greedy, Comletica, you know, factory Ferrari drivers. So they're, they've really found some solid footing and I, I think they, they've they really sort of shaken up the hierarchy in the sort of Ferrari customer stables, which is really, really interesting. So they've got the... Uh, the two WC full season entry cars and two cars coming along, uh, one as a uh, a 24 hours of Le Mans entry, so an inv- invitational entry for, for some reason, which is super duper interesting. Uh, one for from the ELMS, I think, as well. Um, and then, of course, one of those cars is the Iron Dames, which we'll talk about separately in just a moment. So let's go through uh, the four cars then. The number 60 is the full season entry, and that's the Claudio Schiavone, uh, Alessandro Balzan, and G- uh, Raffaello Gianmaria car, which is Iron Links. That That is Iron Links. That is the, that is the, the people who are the Iron Links people. Um, they've been running that team for quite a, quite a while now, and they've been uh, quite good in that car. Um, the 75 is, uh, the special invite. This is the Pierre Array, uh, Christian Hook and Nicholas Verone car. Um, so an interesting tidbit about that car is that's the first one that we've talked about, which has two bronze drivers. Um, so that's going, going to handicap them at some point because they've not got the same driver talent as those around them. Um, but uh, PRA is a decent bronze driver. Has been racing in a bunch of different things. Um, so it's cool to see him uh, make the link with Iron Links. 
Uh, third card that they have is the number 80 card. This is the ELMS based Iron Lynx car with Matteo Crisoni, uh, Richard Highstand, and Giancarlo Fischichella, which was a big move in the offseason to get him from AF Corsa. And then the number 85, the Iron Dames, the all-female driven car, Rahel Frey, Michelle Gatting, and Sarah Bobby, which is a full-on story in itself, and they've been doing quite well this season. Uh, Chris, of those four cars, of course, the Iron Dames has its own... Uh, story behind it, which we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about. Um, but the one that really sort of perplexes me is the the Piero Ray Christian Hook Nicholas Verone car, the the number seventy five. That that seems to be a bit of a a a, a, a I don't know a, a, an odd odd shaped car, something that doesn't quite fit in with the rest of the class because it's got that double bronze. Um, what's your read on that car? Yeah, it, it's it's also green too. Think of like the old Rinaldi racing cars and oh, uh, GT World Challenge. Uh, because of it. Pierre Pierre Ire, Um that's because all because of him. I believe Christian Hook was one of his co-drivers uh, for long. I, I don't know. I, I, for some reason, I remember Christian Hook and Pierre Ire always being teamed up for some reason. Um, and then you have Nick, Nicholas Ferrone, which remember he was the one that held off, wasn't it? Um, Bruni or Leeds at Power Card for winning to to win the uh, the race at Power Card. Yes, yeah, that was earlier this season. That was the first race of the LMS this year, wasn't it? Yeah, he he held off a Porsche factory driver to let Rinaldi Racing take their I, I presume their first win in LMS that had Memo Gidley in the car to just make a big you know wonderful story for that team. Yeah, wow, that's pretty cool. So, so that's that's uh, that's a, a pretty cool name. And so, yeah, last year, um, Pierre Ray and Christian Hook were driving with Jerome Bleekermolen. So that kind of uh, again the double bronze with the you know sort of uh, more established driver. Um, I know you want to talk about uh, the uh, number eighty car, Matteo Cressoni, Giancarlo Fisichella, Richard Highstand. So Highstand is a name that uh, I'm not super familiar with, um, being not from America. But uh, where where would we have seen Highstand uh, before? Is GT D right? Uh, yep, he raced with Lexus in the past. Yes, of course. Um, riding alongside Jack Hawksworth, right? Uh, one of those, and uh, I'm trying to remember where he was because I I don't think he's with Lexus this season. I want to say he's uh with something different. Maybe the the uh, the NTE car. That's unfortunately you know have. Had some bit of bad luck. Uh, I believe they had a Pauler uh, had an accident at Laguna Seca, so they couldn't race then. Then they had to skip out on Mid Ohio. I'm just looking up the answers here. So it's not with Lexus, okay? Um, this uh, this year, I don't think. Nothing. Oh, okay. never mind. I'm 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 big dumb. He did. He is. He is with Lexus. He is with Lexus still. Okay. Um, I remember him doing something else though that wasn't Lexus. So. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm trying to. There's something itching at the back of my brain that tells me that Highstand's done something that else of note that I ca- I just can't attach myself to. On the other hand, someone who I can definitely attach to uh, something of note to was Giancarlo Fisichella, which is a, like a huge move to come over from um, the AF Corsa car to uh, uh, to uh, the Iron Lynx team. That is that is a big story, and they've you know done fairly well in the European Le Mans series. They you know they're sitting um, with a with a fourth place and then a, a bit more of a problem at uh, at Imola. Um, 
still though, that's 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 quite quite a coup. You've got to say the fact that um, Giancarlo Fisichella has has made the um, made the swap because you don't just get someone like Fisichella if you're if you're you know if you're not serious about it, right? Yeah, and uh, I don't know about any anybody else, but my perception, at least in the GT AM class. Because obviously, when you hear Ferrari and GT Am, you probably think, "Oh yeah, you know AF Corsa, right?" Mm. Now, now it's Iron Links. I think Iron Links has established itself as like the Ferrari team in GT Am now, um, I, because they've they well they've grown so much in the past few years. Um, I, at least from what I remember, they're a bit more successful. Maybe maybe not when um, who, who's in the uh, LMP2. AF Corsica car that was really responsible for their Francois Perotto, Nicholas Nielsen, and yep. Alessio Rivera. So basically, when they left, I think Iron Links took the charge as like the Ferrari team in GTE Am. Mm. So I think you know that I I, I and adding Fish Fisi Keller to the car just kind of you know it, not what I'm trying to kind of uh, raises it a step confirms, up. Yeah, kind of confirms that. Yeah. Also, Richard Highstand raced with Lamborghini. For the last couple of years with Grasser and Carbon Racing, I finally found the answer. That's that one. it. Yeah. Um, Grasser, yeah, there, yeah, yeah, there we go. <laughs> That's the the itchy thing at the bottom of my brain. Um, the last final thing I wanted to talk about with the Ferraris is the Iron Dames. Now, this has been a really really cool project that we've seen develop over the last few seasons to go from a Michelin Le Mans Cup winning team to a European Le Mans Series podium gating team to a 24 hours of Le Mans participating team, so now a WC full season entry team, uh, Iron Dames, it's the Iron Lynx, all women uh, driven, and I think they're making moves to make it all women engineered as well. I'm not sure if they've quite achieved that yet, but it is it's de- definitely something that they're working towards. You've got to say, it's not just a car which has uh, an incredible story behind it because of that, but also, it's a car that can get results as well. You know, the driver lineup of Michelle Gatting and Sarah Bovey as the the bronze, uh, the silver and bronze, respectively, and then Rahel Frey as uh, the the gold rated driver. That's a that's a, a quite a good team in a GTM setting. Yeah, and it's not like they aren't competitive. I remember Paul Ricard; they were doing pretty decent. I think I they had a bad safety car full course yellow that kind of ruined their race. That's uh, and then uh, Imola; they just kind of you know just had bad luck. I think a tire went out on them. Or they're involved. They're involved with the incident, I believe, starting out uh, the lap, mm. uh, middle. I think final two hours. It was when that happened. So they just didn't really have anything go their way yet um, this this season. And hope, hopefully, hopefully, Lamar they'll they'll catch a little bit of a break. It would be quite exciting for them to take their first WC podium at Lamar, wouldn't it? Yeah, and considering. Um, all, all of these three drivers, uh, they also race GT World Challenge Europe together too with the Iron Dames program. So I mean, they're they're racing together a lot, which is which is good. It helps build the chemistry. Mm. Um, and ov- obviously, when they they just ran, you know, a six hour race, three hours of that was you know in dark. So you know, they're, they're, they're having just did an endurance race that could possibly help them with you know longer stint times and. You know, that could maybe help them in the future. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be something that it's 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 still a program that's developing, of course, but it is really cool to see where that car is currently, and hopefully we'll see a bit more of it uh, soon. Uh, something to point out. Uh, and they, I believe, they also finished second in the Paul Ricard race. I'm trying to confirm that now because I can't remember. Because Paul Ricard World Series race or the no the the uh, GT World Chat the six hour race. Second overall, or was that second in class? I'm trying to... Second in class in the SRL. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Uh, Amaros brought that to my attention in, in the chat here. But yeah, second in class, um, so, which is still, I believe, trying to remember which class they were. Oh, it doesn't matter. It's second in class. That, that, that's podium. That's still... They that's, still got a trophy at the end of the day. And they're getting results. They're and, getting results. That's and, all that matters. And in a huge SRO field, like the, the SRO field uh, for the six hours at Paul Ricard is like 53 cars or something like that. So to be second in class is still pretty impressive. And imagine, you know, the, the, the brother cars, <laughs> Iron Links, with Daniel Serra, David Dragon, and Antonio Froco. That's why I thought the 52 was stronger. Because they just won the Paul Ricard race at GT World Challenge. There you, there go. you go. There you go. Uh, so that's the Ferrari uh, group of cars in GTM. Chris, l- just looking through the Ferraris p- specifically, where do you reckon Ferrari's best chance of a win in GTM comes from? I think the 55. So that's the Spirit of Race, the Duncan Cameron, Matt Griffin, David Perel car? Yeah, I think, I think that's going to be their best shot. I think it's... Looking at all the driver lineups, that's the one I think of. Is like, okay, that's probably going to be the one that's more consistent across the board, where like all the drivers are decently good. Where because all the other lineups I can see, I, I can see where at least one driver, when they get in the car, they'll kind of like tank it a little bit. That's my that's my reasoning. I. I- I, I think it's solid, but I don't... Well, and I mean, solid in GTM is exactly what you want to be. I, I actually think the, the uh, number 60 Iron Lynx car for me, that's that's the one that I'm going to be looking for, is the, the main contender uh, for the Ferraris. You know, uh, Claudio Schiavone, Alessandro Balzano, Raffaele Gian Maria. Don't think there's a weak link in that team in terms of you've got a good bronze, you've got a good silver, and you've got a good gold. So, yeah. If you're following plenty of motorsport series like I do, you've probably run into trouble with calendars, time zone conversions, and most importantly, missing the start of racing you want to watch. That's why I use the Racing Line app. The Racing Line is your customizable motorsport calendar, giving you up-to-date schedules on all the racing you care about with all major motorsport series covered. Use the day or week view to check out what's on and plan for those busy weekends ahead. The Racing Line allows you to set customizable notifications for events, giving you enough time to get yourselves ready for the racing you want to watch, or for me, to get the race threats ready. Plus, it's all converted into your local time zone, so there's no getting caught out by bad mental maths or daylight saving changes around the world. Find out more at theracingline.app or search The Racing Line on the iOS store. Thank you to The Racing Line for sponsoring this podcast. Uh, where do we go next? Do you want to go Aston Martins or do you want to go Porsches next? Let's go, let's, go, let's, let's go with Porsches. So the Porsches, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight Porsches on the entry list split between a few teams. Um, 
we'll start off with Team Project 1, which has two cars, two WC full season entry cars. Uh, the number 46 uh, is the car that has been the one that's had a few issues uh, generally compared to the other cars. It's got uh, Matteo Cairoli, Mikkel Pedersen, and Nicholas Lutwiller, uh in that car as the bronze. And then the number 56 is the car that we've seen uh, with Brenton, uh, Brendan Arib, uh, Oliver Milroy, and Ben Barnacote, which actually, funnily enough, is the driver lineup that was racing the Inception Racing Ferrari last year at Le Mans. Yeah. So they've now moved to a Porsche. Pretty pretty much Inception Racing, except for the name. Except, yeah, now they're not Inception Racing anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's Team team Project. They're basically paying Team Project 1 to use their cars, and they have the separate uh, Inception car, you know, racing. Mm. So um, the Team Project 1, the number 56 car, the, the Brendan Arrive, Oliver Milroy, Ben Barnacote car, is the better of the two in the WC at the moment. Um, they took a, pardon me, third place at Sebring, um, but DNF, pardon me again, DNF'd at Spa-Francorchamps, whereas on the other hand, the number 46 Team Project 1 car DNF'd at Sebring and took a fifth place at Spa. So... Um, which which one of those two do you think is the the better placed? Well, I mean, clearly the number fifty six is the better placed one in the championship. But which one would you do you think will be better placed at the end of twenty four hours? If Eribe uh, don't crash, I think the fifty six. I think Milleroy and Barnacout are the uh, better two drivers than the ones they have. And in the 46. isn't it just a little bit wild that we have Ben Barnacote in the GTM class? He's yeah. such a good driver. I don't know why he's not been picked up by an LP2 team or a GTE Pro team for that matter. And he just won the Detroit IMSA race with Lexus. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, just as a quick aside, Nicholas Lothwiller, where would... I, I've never seen uh, that driver name before, um, even in this season. So where, where else has, uh, has he come from? Uh, he raced this season. Uh, I believe he last season as well. I'm trying to think. Maybe he was the guy who raced that old Porsche uh, with TFT in the Michelin Le Mans Cup last year. Um, he also does GT World Challenge Europe with that same old Porsche. Um, so that's might have where you've heard him. Okay. But yeah, I, I can't remember anything else before that. Fair enough. Uh, so a bit of an unknown in that aspect there. Uh, the next pair of, or the next Porsche on the entry list, the next pair of Porsches on the entry list, the next trio of Porsches on the entry list, in fact, are the Proton Racing Porsches. Uh, two of them funded by uh, Dempsey Proton, which is, of course, Dempsey, Patrick Dempsey. Um, uh, he's not racing anymore. He's hung up the helmet, but he is still funding the cars. And these are the two WC full season entry cars, the number 77, which has Christian Reed, the only driver now to have not missed a WEC race since its inception. He's the bronze driver. He is the man behind Proton Racing. Uh, and he's driving with Sebastian Prio and Harry Tinknell in the 77. So a bit of a driver shuffle in that car compared to what we've seen this season, is it? No, it's in fact the same driver lineup that we've seen this season. I've just... I'm remembering last season for some for some reason, um, but they are actually doing quite well in the championship at the moment. They're sitting third um, with a win at Spa and a th- uh, fourth place at uh, Sebring in that car. Uh, Seb- Sebastian Prio, that's 
a name a few people will remember that will know the Prio name from touring car racing in Britain. Uh, he's actually quite uh, come along quite quickly in leaps and bounds, says Sebastian. He's quite an accomplished silver driver already. Yep, uh, a couple of years ago he raced with the Mustang GT4s and British GT. Then last year, uh, I want to say he was Porsche Carrera Cup North America champion. Uh, if it wasn't last year, it was definitely two years ago. Um, very, very good driver. Um, I th- a very good silver pickup, uh, especially with uh, Harry Ticknell. I imagine Harry Ticknell is probably giving you know. You know, the son of Andy Prio, some pointers. And then uh, who's who's the ambulance car? You said Christian Reed, Reed, like you said, race every single WEC race. And he's not exactly bad either. Like, if you see him out on track, he's one of the guys that, you know, at least, you know, in my mind, like, he's not, like, the first person that comes up when you think, oh, amateur bidding a car. Mm. He's he's a very accomplished driver, and it's it's a great environment for a a, a silver driver like a Sebastian Prio to to learn in because you've got a a out and out professional on one side of the garage, and then you've got as close as you can get to a professional while still being an AM driver on the other side of the garage. Like, as I said, Christian Reed hasn't missed a WEC race; he's raced every single one. So you don't have to worry about having to nurse a car to put it into a window for the AM driver to be able to drive it competently. He's kind of got that luxury of having a driver who knows how to set up a car and knows how to work a car as well. So you, you can be a bit more aggressive in your setup and you can uh, really accelerate your learning. And we've seen Julian Anlauer, uh, Matt Campbell go through that, that number 77 car and be accelerated into much bigger and better things. So I think Sebastian Prio is on the fast track to some, some pretty exciting things in the near future. Agreed. The other WC full season car out of the Dempsey Proton stable is the number 88 machine. This has Fred Portad, Maxwell Root, and Jan Halen. Uh, this is a uh, pretty well Americanized car with yeah, Jan Halen behind the wheel as well. Um, Portad and uh, Maxwell Root, uh, they're names I've seen before, but I can't remember where they would be off the top of my head, Chris. Uh, tell us where they would have come from. Um, Maxwell Root, I know, did Porsche Crow Cup North America or Porsche GT3 Cup America if that, if, uh, when he was racing. Um, probably maybe some GT World Challenge America races as well, maybe with Wright. That's a name that's kind of sticking out to me right now. Fred Pordad races with Wright Motorsports in Porsche, uh, not Porsche, uh, GT World Challenge America. Um, he was also, if you remember the uh, Michael Fassbender series, he was in the first season uh, racing with the Porsche, I believe the, the, the Porsche Sports Cup. He was one of Fassbender's teammates. So that's his little claim to fame. And then you have uh, Jan Halen races with Wright Motorsports at IMSA and has, and has done so with some success. So he's not exactly a, he's not too bad of a driver. I think he's, I think I rate him pretty good. Nice. Um, of the two Proton cars uh, that we've looked at so far, would you say that this is a, a faster car or a slower car than the, the number 77? S- slower car. S- slower car? Not, not, yeah. not even any hesitation on that at all? Yeah, it's 77 just on paper. And I mean, Harry Ticknell alone. I mean, that's just pretty good. Yeah, and then you add to that, of course, you know, Christian Reed as well as a as a fairly competent amateur driver. It kind of adds quite a dimension to that, doesn't it? Yeah. 
Now, this is the third driver out of the Proton stable, and this is the one that will have quite a bit of eyes on it. This is, of course, the number 93. This is the Michael Fassbender car, and he is driving with one of Porsche's best young drivers in Matt Campbell and Zachary Robichon, who's another uh, co quite competent uh you call them almost a super silver um, out of Canada. Uh, used to drive with FAF Motorsports, I recall. Um, Fassbender has been on the road to Le Mans, um, and he has been for a few seasons. And, you know, that's what the whole YouTube series is about. It's about Fassbender getting to Le Mans. Uh, now that he's finally here, does he have the group of people around him to give him a proper shot at it? Or is he just here making up the numbers? What are you, what is your, th your thoughts based on, you know, who's driving this car? Well, yeah, I imagine, you know, Porsche heavily involved with the project. They're, they're giving him the best tools possible for him to have the greatest amount of success. And the only way, and the only thing standing in his way is him. Um, yeah, I remember he did, I can't remember... But what he did at Paul Ricard earlier this year, I don't think he did too bad. There was a moment it, in at, at Paul Ricard where it, he passed like four cars in a single straight. It was he just managed to mm. get the run on them, and he's 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 turned into quite an accomplished driver. It's just a, a quite an accomplished driver that's lacking just a bit of consistency. Right. He, yeah. If I can't, I'm trying to think. Um, it was that um, I want to call it a hairpin corner. I don't know exactly what the what the corner name is. Um, but he was involved in an accident um, at Imola in the European Le Mans Series race where I believe he made contact. He was on the inside and he just made contact with a prototype that might have been a little bit slower. Um, I don't – off the top of my head, I don't think it was entirely um, Fastbender's fault. So, I th uh, so hope hopefully uh, some luck uh, comes to Fastbender's way because – Imagine the headlines if this car even gets a podium. Mm. Magneto gets podium at Le Mans. <laughs> yeah, well, when you put it like that, it's pretty wild. And like with Matt Campbell, who's you know a former GTE Pro driver, um, not uh, did he ever drive GTE Pro? Well, he's certainly a former GTE and class winner at Le Mans, uh, and has won races, won the Bathurst 12-hour, uh, has won races in uh, SRO competition, won races in IMSA competition, and uh, Zachary Robichon, who has won races in IMSA competition and in GTD, uh, they've certainly put a, a strong group of drivers around him to, to help facilitate his tilt at Le Mans. Yep, I, they they have all the tools to do it. I think it's just going to be up to how how good Fastbender is at Le Mans. That's going to be that's going to determine the amount of success in this car because we we know Robochon and Ca and Campbell are good. Mm. We just have to, we'll have to see what performance Fastbender brings. Absolutely right. Uh, there are a few other Porsches on the entry list. Uh, we've covered off the all of the WC full sen uh, season cars. So there's two more that we've got to look at. The first of those is the WeatherTech Racing. Porsche um, of Cooper McNeil, Julian Andlauer, and Thomas Merrill as the bronze. Now, this car is always a car that rolls eyes in the paddock because, of course, it's Cooper McNeil, and Cooper McNeil has a, 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 
an interesting relationship with the fan base. Um, but uh, he is still quite a quick silver driver and brings along the WeatherTech money. So uh, he's uh, the one making this team happen effectively. Julian Andlau, very, uh, very good, very young French Porsche driver. And Thomas Merrill, where would we have known Thomas Merrill from? IMSA LMP2. LMP2? Uh, so whereabouts in LMP2? Has he done anything notable in LMP2? Uh, not really. Not really? I think he might be with the Win Autosport team or the other Pier 1 Mathiasen car. So it's, it is just a, a, a an American bronze to sort of fill, fill the seat in that one then, isn't it? Right. Yeah. We have seen Cooper race in GTE Pro previously. He was racing GTE Pro last season. <laughs> which is... Yeah. yeah. Chris, you can explain also, it's- it's it's funny. Um, you call him a quick silver driver. I think it was Long Beach. He was slower than Brendan Eribe. Oof, that's yeah. yeah. And yeah, so so Cooper Cooper brings money. He brings a lot of money, um, and he also brings a a fair amount of politicking. Um, but mm-hmm. he does give Julian Andlauer a seat so he can show what he can do, and that's. Why I'm going to be looking at this car, Chris? Uh, what about you? Hugh? Any any other thoughts on the WeatherTech car? I just, yeah, I don't think it's going to do that well. Considering Thomas Merrill, he's kind of mid in LMP2. I don't remember him being really exceptional in that class, at least for IMSA. And then Cooper's Cooper, Julian Anlauer. I mean, man, you got to feel for. Imagine going to Le Mans with probably no chance of winning it. Well, I mean. <laughs> this is kind of this is kind of a similar story that we were talking about in our prototype preview for the pro drivers who end up in GT uh, in LMP2 Pro Am. Uh, you're in a car that you've got no expectations of performing. You've got no expectations of winning. What you are given though is a platform to go really fast around Le Mans. And hey, like how many times do you get to do that in a year? Only once. So uh, I think I think for Julian it might be a, a case of you know, getting to maybe show what he can do. And like a hundred percent, that car could end up on pole uh, in, in hyper pole. If, oh, and yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, that might be what Ann Lauer's goal is for the weekend to get that car on pole. Uh, like what Comb Lettergar did last season or what, uh, you know, what uh, Matt Campbell did the season before, you know, uh, just, just to sort of put his mark on the event and then, you know, let the rest of the race play out itself. But fortunately, I think, you know, it seems like every race, you know, Cooper has to start the car because obviously he's the money. You know, why waste all that money if, you know, some guy's just going to crash the car before you, you know? Ah, uh, Cooper. Yeah. We we love to rag on him because he makes it so easy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the last Porsche on the entry list is from Hardpoint Motorsport, a USA-based team. This is the number 99. And this has got Andrew Harrianto, Alessio Piccarello, and Martin Rump, uh, an Estonian driver. Don't see too many drivers from Estonia make the entry list. Um, interesting, though, uh, Andrew Harrianto and Alessio Piccarello, they were driving... Um, ooh, they were driving in the Absolute Racing car last year, weren't they? Yep, and uh, this is basically just Absolute Racing, just not in the name. Because uh, Hardpoint, so Rob Ferriol, uh, the, the the guy who's the brainchild of Hardpoint, or at least brings the money, 
Uh, he won the uh, award for IMSA last year, so he won the entry. But he had to basically kind of pull out. That's why you didn't see him over the last couple IMSA races. They're they're dealing with some stuff. They say they're going to be at more IMSA races this, this year, so we'll see. Uh, but yeah, this is basically absolute racing taking over. It's just, you know, they can't just rename themselves absolute racing because they're not exactly first on the reserve list. So if they just renamed themselves absolute racing, you know, high, you know, the teams are on the reserve list could be like, wait, that's not right. Yeah. Um, so that, 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 that's why, you know, you, 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 you will st- still see hard point motorsport on the graphics because if they, because moving up absolute racing from like where they are third or fourth in the they're reserve fourth, list, they're fourth is, in the reserve is, list. Yeah. It, it wouldn't, it, it just wouldn't be good optics. It would just make me you know, So yeah, they're, you know, they're, they're allowed to basically pay hard point to run their team and call it hard point, but to actually yep. be put on the list itself. Oh no, that's not allowed. <laughs> um, Martin, yep. Martin Rump, that's not a name I'm familiar with. Um, so where, where would we have seen um, Martin Rump race before? Trying to remember, I think he ran in Asia before. Uh, I want to say he did Palanga before. I'm trying to remember if he actually did. <laughs> and, and um, for, those who, for those who don't know, Palanga is like, a, it's a 1,006 kilometer race where they close a few highways in Lat- Latvia or Lithuania? Lithuania. Uh, Lithuania. Lithuania. They cl- just close a few highway intersections and just run on these on on oh, the highway intersections for a, th- a thousand kilometers. It's the most just weird, dumb, odd, just niche event that somehow is relevant in the world. Apparently. <laughs> yeah, I might be confusing it with uh, one of the Aaron brothers who are also Estonian that ran the race in the past. Anyway, uh, they did an interview. So Friday, Saturday of last week, they did have the, the scrutineering, the passage mm-hmm. and what, and they, and they had the cars in the city and stuff. And they had interviews with the drivers that were there. And Martin Rump was one of them. And he said, I, I believe they said he's the first Estonian driver to race at Le Mans. That's pretty cool. I love hearing stories like that. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. Nice. Oh, we love we love to see uh you know new nations make make the make the list. I think that's really really cool and really really important. So hopefully he does well. Um, looking at the Porsche entry list as a whole, that's the eight cars that we've talked about now. Uh, who do you reckon is going to be the best placed Porsche at the conclusion of twenty four hours, Chris? Who's going to be the best placed Porsche? Hmm. Let's see. I think it's gonna be. You know what? I think it could be the 77. So that's the Dempsey Proton, Christian Reed, Sebastian Prio, Harry Tinknell car, the one that's currently third in the WEC standings at the moment. I I would tend to agree. I Oh, actually, no, I lied. We have not quite gone through all the Porsches yet. There is one Porsche team that we have missed, uh, and that is the GR Racing Porsche of Mike Wainwright, Ricardo Perra, and Benjamin Barker. <laughs> now... Do we want to talk I about mean, that car too much? I, I, th- I was, I was going to say that the, the, the jokes write themselves. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. If you have been a long-time listener of Endurance Chat, you will know that I have somewhat of a vendetta against Mike Wainwright that I will maintain is very well earned um, because last year at Spa-Francorchamps, uh, he crashed the car on the reconnaissance lap to the grid and put that car out before it even started. 
this year, I believe there was also an issue wherein that car did not start the race or crashed out of the race because of something that Wainwright had done. In fact, that car, let's have a look. Um, GR Racing did finish at Spa, okay. So, but did not race at Sebring. That's right, because he gave up the Sebring entry uh, to another team for the weekend. Now, yeah, I have, I have, I have... I have a bit of a vendetta against Rainwright, and it is well earned. I will say that much. Um, um, he he skipped Sebring because of the uh, U- he had uh, was doing something with the Ukraine uh, Russian conflict with his business. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um. But uh, yes. Uh, Rainwright, Ricardo Pereira, Ben Barker, Ben Barker, and Ricardo Pereira are decent drivers. I just Wainwright is not a good M. <laughs> oh, I feel so bad saying that, but it's just true. Oh, someone's not making the Christmas cards this year. I mean, I don't get Christmas cards from <laughs> racing people anyway, so people barely know who I am in a sports car paddock. I don't have any friends I need to protect at this stage. I I don't have a reputation I need to protect. Not at all. <laughs> not yet. Um, so, uh, yeah, with that in mind, uh, Proton's still the car to beat. Yeah, Christian Reed, Sebastian yep. Prio, Harry Tinkle. Yeah, I tend to agree. I reckon... It's either going to be them or it's going to be the, funnily enough, the, the Fassbender car, I, I think, with Campbell and Robichon behind the wheel. That car is going to be pretty tasty. So if you're a Porsche fan, those are the ones that you're going to look out for, I reckon. Now, we have only three cars left on this entry list. We've gone uh, through 20 cars pretty quickly, which is kind of surprising. We normally get bogged down as hell on this. Three cars left, uh, three Aston Martins, three very quick cars. Uh, All of them are full-season entries. Um, So what we'll do is we'll just smash them out. Number 33 is the Ben Keating TF Sport car with Ben Keating, Enrique Chavez, and Marco Sorensen. Keating may be just the best Bond driver in the grid, Chris. Why is that? It's cause, I don't know, but it's quite awesome to see because the, 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 the dude just bursting with personality. Every every time you uh, the, he gets interviewed, it's like it, it's a show. Um, he and he and he's, he's so grateful to be there. Like he, you never, uh, at least from what I've seen, he never complains. He never he you know just was like yeah that's racing you know and he and he's paying for it. Um, so you expect maybe he'll be a, like some AMs would get mad because it's not going there. It's like, I'm paying for this. Why am I not getting the results? Ben Keating, you know, kind of takes that as it is. Uh, and he, and the reason why he might be so good is because he had lots of opportunities to race in the States, you know, IMSA. Um, he did the Creventic, uh, 24 hours of Coda. If you remember, he did the WeatherTech Mercedes. Yeah. Uh, he won that race. Cool. Um, I don't know. And, and uh, he's just a fun guy, and add and just the cherry on top is that he's also very good. He is, he is one of the best AM drivers in the in the world at the moment. I I gotta say he's taken pole both races this season so far. Um, has taken a pair of second places in that car as well. He is one of the few AM drivers that the team trusts enough to give a full stint as opposed to jumping out when his driver time finished. And this is something that gives that team then a lot of flexibility um, where he has won races just by being able to do a full stint when other AM drivers have been taken out of the car because they're going too slow. So 
he is definitely a, a great driver and a great person to watch. And just to like any time that get, he gets interviewed, it's like, yeah, as you said, dripping with personality. Such a cool dude. Um, he's driving with Marco Sorensen, former uh, Aston Martin pro driver, uh, and Enrique Chavez. Normally he has uh, Felipe Fraga in that car, but that car, he's now been upgraded to gold, so he can't be in that car. Enrique Chavez, where would we have seen Enrique Chavez before? Uh, I believe International GT Open. Okay, so not and, and probably more of the and more of like the pro am uh, stuff in GT World Challenger. I want to say he did it with McLaren. Uh, I for some reason the Vodafone McLaren stick out to me, or well, or in in international GT Open, I'll huh. have to probably have, have to double check that. But um, that's that's what I remember least in my in where my brain is what my brain is telling me is international GT Open. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, we'll skip along to the number 98. This is another fan favorite, the Northwest AMR um, uh, for the Aston Martin ra- uh, Racing. Uh, this has Paul Dallalana, the CEO of Northwest, which we discovered uh, earlier on the week is a, a medical uh, medical real estate uh, brand The thing. Um, he basically does like uh, real estate for hospitals and stuff like that. Um, so... Awesome dude, uh, great driver as well. Um, he's driving with David Pittard as the silver and Nicky Team, another former Aston Martin Pro Factory driver. Uh, this is the team that currently leads the WEC World Championship after winning the race at Sebring and placing third at Spa Francorchamps. Paul Alana has a bit of a history at Le Mans, though. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, possibly one of those things. If you, I don't know if you heard the saying. You can do like, you could you you could do like anything in the like anything in the world. You could do so much good stuff. That's not perfect English, yeah. but you know what I mean. If you have something bad that's happen, not, yeah, that's that's something that people will remember you for, and that's kind of like what Paul Delalana has at Le Mans, where he kind of binned it towards the end of the race, like that like the, was the last six hours. Uh, it was the last forty-five minutes. Uh, I remember another year where it was after sunrise. And he and he and he binned it on that straight just before the Ford chicane, so it could be two separate instance, instances. But yeah, so ho- hopefully he can kind of get that monkey off his shoulder, um, and you know, have some success. I would love to see him win Lamar just because I want him to win Lamar because he's been a great servant to the WC for such a long period of time, and he's just such a nice guy. I've I've had the had the luck to be able to meet him quite a few times, and he is just a, a dude, a, just a, a Canadian guy who just wants to love racing and loves doing it. And I remember he was telling me the story of driving a Ferrari at. Daytona because he'd just come from the Daytona 24 hours to do the Bathurst 12 hours and he was like lighting up his eyes talking about driving past guys like Christopher Meese on the banking at Daytona and just like blitzing past them in the Ferrari and just like it's just the smile on his face man it's just such a it's such a cool thing like again this is a guy who is a, a CEO of a company and he just spends his spare time racing sports cars like how cool is that? Yeah, and he—he, he, he, I think I don't know if you said yeah, but he's like regarded as a uh, big old Canadian teddy bear. Exactly, uh, and as well though, he is one of the, another one of the AMs that the team trusts well enough to put in for three full stints instead of two and a half stints to get his driver time finished and then get him out of the car. Uh, and again, builds the flexibility into the car, builds the flexibility into the strategy, means that they can get away with a lot more things because 
because Paul Dallano is such a good bronze driver. Um, driving with David Pittard and Nicky Team like as well. Super sil- a, a Aston Martin Young driver in David Pittard, a super silver, which is a bit OP, and then Nicky Team, a former factory driver. Like you're not going to find two other better picks in the grid, really. Yeah, and David Pittard, you know, probably more well known for his Nurburgring expenditures. Doing, uh, he's a very well-oiled machine at the ring. He usually races with one of the Vulcan horse cars, if I remember oh, correctly. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Linky Team, you know, G- I've, wasn't he a GTE uh, champion? Yes, at, at Lama, uh, and also you know WC champion. Um, he did race at the Nurburgring 24 Hours as well with the TF Sport Aston Martin. Unfortunately, I think he might have been the one. I think he spun the car early yeah. on in the race, and then uh, I don't know if he was. Uh, I don't know if he was in the car when they had that crash at, right at the beginning of Dutton or Ho, but but nonetheless, the car was in the lead for you know the very good portion of the start of the race until nightfall. Yeah. Uh, it was a bit of unfortunate circumstances there. Apparently, they hit a patch of oil or something of some fluid that wasn't visible until team was basically on it. But uh, Lamar is an entirely different beast, and they will be the slowest uh, class of cars instead of the fastest. So a little bit more uh, leeway in that respect, uh, and they will certainly be a team to watch. The last car on the entry list is the D-Station Racing Aston Martin, the 777, featuring Satoshi Hoshino, his regular co-driver Tomonobu Fuji, and Charles Fagg as the silver driver. Now, uh, Hoshino has a bit of infamy at Le Mans. Again, you can do a million good things and then you'll be remembered for the one bad thing you do. Um, he was a in a behind the wheel of an Aston Martin that happened to get in the way of a, a Corvette in the Porsche curves in the early part of the race, they made contact. The uh, the Corvette was written off and out of the race. And Hoshino actually pulled his car from the race because he said he wasn't confident enough to complete the rest of the race. Um, and so because his drive time wasn't fulfilled, that car basically was a DNF. Um, and he got quite a bit of a reputation because of that. Not necessarily because he was at fault for the incident, but because... It was a continuation of a trend where he was kind of in the wrong place at the wrong time, which is one of those things. Um, what are your thoughts on Hoshino and his participation in the WEC? Has he has he shaken that reputation? Uh, I don't remember him, you know, you know, obviously that was a few years back, right? And he hasn't done anything else um, to really warrant that bad reputation staying, to be honest, like he kind of kept himself, kept, uh, kept to himself. Um, so I, I think he's, he did get better. Is he on pace as to be one of the better amps? I don't think so, but he's not, that, he's not, he's not really, um, one of the drivers. When I, when I see him get in the cars, like, Oh, that car's written off now. So well, I think he's, I think he's got better. The the thing is though that this team has the same strategy that they do in every single race, and what they do is they start the race with Fuji, who was a great driver, and they'll pull out some sort of lead. So on the first stint, they'll be in the top three cars in the race, and they'll be leading the way, and they'll be doing quite well. And then as the rest of the field starts putting their professional drivers, and Hoshino gets behind the wheel, they'll drop like a stone, and that that'll be 
basically what's going to happen. You can guarantee that by hour six, they'll be behind everyone again. Um, what about Charles Fagg? That's not a name that I am familiar with in terms of racing uh, in the WEC. Whereabouts would he have gotten from? Uh, he raced in Janetta Juniors. Uh, if you don't, if you haven't watched Janetta Juniors, do yourself a favor and watch it. Um, is is Janetta Juniors basically the English version of the Mazda MX-5 Cup? Uh, actually, that might that, that, that's actually a pretty fair comparison. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so, yeah, that, that, that's where he came from. That's where he came from. Where he uh, really started his car racing career. Um, I believe he might have done. I'm just trying to wrap my brain around because he's. Oh yes, GT4 uh, GT4 Europe. That's that's where he did. I'm trying to remember if he did it with the uh, United McLarens. That's the that's the team that sticks out to me with what he did it with. But yes, he did do GT4 Europe in between that time span. So this car comes- and, 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 and champion, sorry, uh, and champion. Cool. Okay, and, and he was impressive. champion of that. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Um, this car currently sits fifth in the World Endurance Championship standings for GTEM. They've got a four. No, sorry, a pair. Sorry, a sixth place and a seventh place. Um, the way that the, the points have worked out, they're just ahead of a, a bunch of other teams who are all very, very close. Um, looking at the Aston Martin challenge, um, where do we think the Aston Martin's best team is coming from? Uh, 33. 33? Even though yeah. even though the 98 is ahead of them in the world, uh, the championship at the moment? Yeah, but I mean, you're just saying that because you're an American. You want to see Ben Keating do well. It's just I don't think Nikki team is that as you know, probably not as good as people make him out to be. Wow. Okay. Uh, I think you're 100 percent correct. Actually, I think he's built got quite a social media following that build him up to be. Bad. Anyway, <laughs> that is neither here nor there. That is 23 cars in GTM. Chris, I'm going to ask you in just a moment to give me a top three, and I'm going to give you two extra picks. I'm going to give you a top five um, that you've got to put together for me. But while you think about that, I do want to just take this moment to say thank you very much uh, for listening, uh, for getting through these podcasts. I know it's a lot of content in the week leading up to Lamar, but we really appreciate that uh, you guys want us to do this and you guys get a lot out of it and we get a lot out of it as well. Um, also want to thank our sponsor, the racingline.app, your motorsport calendar. Make sure you jump onto them, give them a like, give them a tweet as well and a follow um, to, uh, yeah, just a, as a thank you to their support of us um, and their support of this project. Um, they've been very, very kind to us and I think it's important to, to recognize that as well. Um, make sure that you, now that you know all of the entries in both the prototype categories and the GT categories, make sure you jump into MW Clarkson's Fantasy Endurance Competition uh, where you get given a budget to pick four cars, one in each class, and uh, and to see how well you can manage to pick a group uh, compared to everyone else. Uh, it's always a fun way to watch the race as well. Uh, it keeps you invested in each of the classes. Mm-hmm. Um, as well, there will be and, uh, stuff and, going on. I just wanted to say, even if you, if it, if it's uh, picks close around qualifying, so Wednesday, yeah. Um, so, but even after uh, picks are closed, uh, you can still make picks. It's just one of them will be nuked. Yeah. So you still you'll make your four picks, but uh, one of your classes will be randomly basically wiped from existence until uh, green flag time. So you can, so you can still participate. With uh, you know, kind of like one 
you know, one arm behind your back sort of, but you can still, you know, participate and be able to be involved in the community with the race chats that way. Yeah. And speaking of being involved in the community, there will be a bunch going on. We'll have our, uh, all of the, uh, the sessions, of course, we'll be watching along uh, in the WEC Discord server and on the subreddit with the discussion posts. Um, there'll also be our regular Friday campfire chat. Um, where we just kind of uh, put up a big discussion thread and we'll just, you know, whatever you want to talk about in Le Mans Week, you were able to talk about. Uh, and of course, on the endurance chat side of things, we'll do once again our pre-race show uh, for about an hour or 90 minutes ahead of the official stream starting, um, just to, to warm everyone up and get everyone in the mood. Uh, so I know I'm very excited for that. That's always one of the loosest little bits of uh, community that we get to be a part of every year. <laughs> And it's always a lot of fun. Uh, Chris, has that been enough thinking time? Can you give me your five picks for GTM? Pretty, pretty please. Hmm. 33. 33. That's the TF Sport, Aston Martin, Keating, uh, Chavez, and Sorensen. That's your number one? Yep. 77. 77. That's the Dempsey Proton, Christian Reed, Seb Prio, Harry Tinknell driven machine. Uh, um, 98 98 that's the northwest amr paul dalana david pittard and nikki team aston martin uh 59 59 that is the inception racing alexander west comb ledegar and marvin klein ferrari that was a bit out of left field and uh i'm gonna go with the 57 the 57, that is the Kessel Racing, Takeshi Kimura, Frederick Shandorf, and Mikkel Jensen uh, uh, Ferrari. No love for TF Sport. No, no love for TF Sport at all. Oh, sorry, not TF Sport. No, uh, yeah. No love for, for Team Project One. Nope. Nope. Huh. No. In- interesting. Interesting. I mean, I also don't have any love for Team Project One, but also <laughs> no love for um, Iron Links, I notice. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so you, you're going pretty hard in the Aston Martins there. I noticed you put TF Sport and uh, Northwest AMR. Uh, do you think the Aston Martin is the better BOP'd car, or do they just have better drivers? Uh, I, I think they have the better drivers uh, more consistently across the board. Cool. I would tend to agree both of those would fit into my top five as well um in fact i'd probably say i'd put the number 98 as my favorite for the weekend the northwest amr car and then second place would be the number 33 tf sport um and third place would be the number 77 dempsey proton so full agreeance on those three um but but this is where things will get a little different I'm going to go the number 93 Proton Competition Porsche um, uh, as one of the top five. So that's the Fassbender car. Uh, and I'm going to throw in the Iron Lynx number 60 as well, um, which is the Claudio Schiavone, Alessandro Balzan, and Raffaele Gianmaria car. You'd think as someone with Italian heritage, I'd be able to just talk, say these Italian names on my first try, but no, I'm just trash at them as well. Um so that would be my group of cars. It seems to me, just as I as I look through this entry list, Chris, that despite having 12 Ferraris in the field, none of them are really the uh, jumping out as top-level competitors. Yeah, I don't know. They don't scream like, vic- like total winners to me. Now, although we do know that, you know, it's, it's come Lamar week, come race time, 
uh, you would probably assume at least one of these Ferraris will be in contention. It's almost like law. Um, mm, yeah. One Ferrari will do good. The others will take out the prototypes. Um, <laughs> as it, it was foretold. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I don't know. It could be, we could be just, you know, sitting here in a week time, making all these predictions, thinking Ferrari might not do well. And then, you know, Monday comes around. I was like, well, we were wrong. That is something that we tend to be quite a lot. <laughs> we, we've been doing this for a while now. We, this is our seventh year of doing the Le Mans previews. And I think we've picked more DNFs than we have podium getters, um, which, Goes to tell you as as much as you can be informed and as much as you can watch everything and read everything and think you know everything, Le Mans itself is its own beast and you can't pretend you know anything really because as much as, yeah, as much as you think you know, uh, it, it does its own thing. So yeah, <laughs> something we have seen people do in the past is actually just make their picks based on a random number generator as well and have not not no success <laughs> have some level of a success so uh are you thinking you might grab the the no- random number generator out today and and uh make a few picks like that or just uh are you pretty happy with who you've picked i think i think i'm going to be happy for who i picked because every single time i change my pick to somewhere else my original picks do better than what my what i would change my picks to so you got to trust your gut. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust my gut. Unless they get ridden off in practice, I'm gonna trust my gut. Good, good choice. And yeah, what we're saying here is that you got to pick the best bronze drivers, and clearly the best bronze drivers in the field are Keating, Reed, and uh, Dalalana. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else that you wanted to say uh, on the GT class of cars before we wrap up our trifecta of Le Mans previews, Chris? Uh, quickly talk about the Michelin Le Mans Cup. Sure, I'll give you this time uh, to talk about the MLMC. So uh, they have about so they have the normal Michelin Le Mans Cup entry list, which is already like thirty something cars already, plus a couple of additions. So I think it might be upper thirties to forty cars uh, for the weekend. Uh, they got two races uh, Thursday, which is actually I believe that uh, Graham Goodwin said confirmed. That they're finally streaming race one on Thursday. Ooh. So we got racing on the Thursday to get hyped for 55 minutes in length. And then again on Saturday morning uh, before Le Mans. Uh, and they have the hydrogen car, which if you don't remember the Imola race, uh, that's uh, they, they're supposed to run, I believe, Paul Ricard. But instead, they just used the practice sessions because they weren't ready for races. Um they ran at Emula. They ended up finishing the race, and that was an hour and fifty minute event. So, judging from that alone, you know, you would think fifty five minutes, considering I don't think you had to refuel, uh, probably won't be a challenge at all. Um, hopefully, uh, hopefully. the car, the car, the car doing well. You know, it's good. It's a fan favorite. Lots of people like it. Um, it's it's gonna be interesting to see how he does at Le Mans. Uh, also, uh, we have the Liche European Series. I know they have a race on Friday, but that's most likely not going to be streamed. Uh, but, they, but they do have a race on Saturday, and I think that's like the first thing up on a day. So it's, it's a really early start. I think they have a, around 27 cars. If you don't know what it is, it's based, it's, it travels with the European Le Mans Series. It has the Liege, uh P4 cars, like their um, 
own like kind of like home built not home built but more affordable prototype and then they have the Ligier kind of uh the Ligier GT car yeah and so is- and, and so and that's going to be at Le Mans for the first time so but that's so if it, it's not just Le Mans it's you got some support races to keep an eye on too if you know just to, just to add to an already crazy weekend Absolutely, and you you loved the support events as well. And, and in fact, some of the support events at Lamar have been quite quite apt curtain raises for the main event. Uh, I think some of the Road to Lamar races that we've seen have uh, really sort of upped the ante and really gotten people into the mood for the the main twenty four. Because you'll see some door to door battling, you'll see some crazy strategy, and you'll see sometimes even like passes made at the very very end of the race. So it, it is really quite quite cool to have them uh, curtain raise the main event once again. Yeah, it should be a very fun, exciting day of racing before the actual uh, Lamar twenty four even begins. Absolutely right. Uh, and on that note, Chris, thank you very much for once again getting up far too early to come and join us and to do this once again. Not gonna, not gonna lie, you know this this week is mainly about prep because <laughs> the last twenty four races gonna get as much sleep as I can to be prepped for the big day. Brilliant! Very happy that you've been able to do that. And thank you, everyone, in the live chat for feeding us notes and discussion along the way. Uh, and thank you to those now listening. Uh, and yeah. Hope you enjoy this week, this incredible week of motorsport, the week that is the Le Mans 24. I've been Michael Zalavari. Thank you very much for listening. Peace out. Peace out.